0: welcome to sleep cues the everything baby sleep podcast i'm erin pediatric sleep consultant and founder of the happy sleep company from catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething we cover all things baby sleep with a passion for children's sleep we're here to help tired families get healthy rest hi mums and dads welcome back to sleep cues the everything baby sleep podcast you know As a sleep consultant, I get asked questions about every issue you could think of when it comes to babies and toddlers sleep, from daylight savings time changes to middle of the night diaper changes. I get asked about rolling and standing in the crib, crib jumping, and everything in between that could possibly affect your little one's sleep, but... The most common question I get is about how families can get started with healthy sleep for their children, and that's from families who are expecting, who haven't even had their baby yet, and they just want to know how do we get started with good sleep habits from day one, or it's from families who are well out of the newborn stage and are still feeling like they don't quite have a handle on sleep yet, and they're wanting to know what are the most common things that parents ask you about that are the things i can start looking at to get healthy sleep started from scratch what are the most important things i should be looking at what are the things i really can be looking at just to get started right from day one so let's talk about that today there are of course many factors that play into a child's proper sleep but These are the top five things that I recommend to families every day for getting sleep started on the right foot, for getting going with amazing healthy rest for your little one. Number one, create a peaceful sleep environment. Look at where your child sleeps. I can't stress this enough. If the environment where your child is sleeping is not conducive to sleep, it's going to be tough to ask your baby to get a good rest there. So what do we mean by a peaceful sleep environment? Children sleep more easily when not surrounded by flashing lights and tons of other stimulating stuff. So we want to avoid things like mobiles that are twinkling above your baby's crib, those toy fishy aquariums that you see sometimes that might be attached inside your child's crib. We really just want to keep your child's crib empty of the stuff and have just a fitted sheet and your baby in their swaddle or their sleep sack, having some good rest in their crib without lots of distractions around, especially as your child gets older and out of the newborn stage and is very interested in all this stuff around them, things in the crib that might have buttons on them or um, you know, things in the crib that might have flashing lights or twinkly mobiles that are above the crib that your child's just staring at and getting distracted by you know once your child is out of the newborn stage they really are going to be much more easily distracted by these things so we want to keep those out the next thing we want to think about is making it really dark a lot of people will be worried about making the room dark for sleep because they're worried that a their child will get confused between day and night and b their child will never be able to sleep when it's not dark so i'm here to tell you neither of those things is true first of all Children generally get confused between day and night when they're very young and their naps go on way too long during the day and then they're up a lot during the night. So when it comes to newborns, which is where that day-night confusion most often happens, I suggest that parents limit Each daytime nap to a maximum of two to three hours. Don't let daytime naps individually go on longer than three hours. And then you're having your baby up for some awake time, a feed, a diaper change in a nice bright room that's different than their bedroom. And then they're back down for a nap again. So their room can be dark for sleep, but we're not letting them have a five to six hour nap in the middle of the day. We're saving all that sleep pressure for nighttime and making sure daytime naps are. Great and restful, but not going on any more than three hours at a time. That's how we're going to avoid that day night confusion. The other complaint I hear from parents or worry that I hear from parents about having the room really dark for sleep is that their child won't ever be able to sleep anywhere if it's not super, super dark. I have two answers to that. One is that yes, your child will be able to sleep elsewhere. Don't worry about it. Your child is resilient. Your child is going to become a good sleeper. And then once they are a good sleeper, they're going to be able to sleep in other environments that aren't exactly like what they're used to, but they will always sleep better. Just like we as adults will sleep better when they are in a sleep conducive environment. So if it is five o'clock in the morning in the middle of july and your baby is sleeping at grandma's house and grandma doesn't have any blackout curtains in the window then your baby is likely to be awake at five o'clock in the morning whether or not they're a great sleeper if the sun's shining in they're going to be awake it's going to be harder for them to get back to sleep i'm a grown up i'm still going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning in the middle of july if there are no blackout blinds or curtains on my window i'm probably going to be able to look at the clock realize oh you know what it's not time to get up yet let's try to go back to sleep i'm going to toss and turn a bit because it's bright in the room but i'm probably going to be able to get myself back to sleep because i know it's not time to get up your baby doesn't know that at five o'clock in the morning she just knows she's had a decent amount of sleep and now the sun is up and she's awake so I do recommend that you still try to make other environments dark. Your baby will still sleep well, sleep through the night, but might be up quite a bit earlier or have a harder time going to bed at night if it's bright in the room and it's not conducive to them going to sleep more easily. Dark is best for sleep. So I recommend blackout blinds covered by blackout curtains for your baby's room, wherever they are sleeping, whether that's in your room in their crib or in their own nursery in their crib. Blackout blinds covered by blackout curtains And it's 2020 right now, and there is really no reason that you can't make any room super dark with lots of different products that are available for this. So one good example is a portable blackout blind, like the Grow Anywhere blind. You can grab one of those. You can take it with you when you travel, and if baby's having their afternoon nap at grandma's house one day, you can easily just suction cup that into the window for the nap, and then you can take it down when the nap is over. So a portable blackout blind is a great way to make any sleep environment instantly more sleep conducive. The next thing we want to talk about with regards to the sleep environment is making it quiet. So lots of talk in the world of baby sleep about sound machines. First of all, you do not have to use a sound machine for your child to learn to sleep well. Your child can learn to sleep well without a sound machine. With that being said though, a sound machine can be really helpful if you live on a busy street, have a pet that makes noise during nap time have another child running around you know running dinky cars up and down the hardwoods outside of your baby's room while they're trying to nap or maybe you just live in a smaller house a bungalow and your baby's room is right next to the kitchen and you're going to be clanging dishes around at 7 pm trying to clean up from dinner when your baby is trying to go to sleep for the night Any of these situations might warrant using a sound machine and I am a big proponent of sound machines in any of those types of situations. If you're going to use a sound machine, I recommend that you place it about 5 or 10 feet away from your child's crib so it's not right up next to their ear. I recommend you use kind of a white noise setting or like a rain setting, rather than something like ocean waves or jungle sounds or you know things that are stimulating or go up and down. We just want something that's constant and steady. And we don't want to run it on a timer. We want to run the white noise continuously through the whole nap time and through the whole night time because we don't want it shutting off after, say, an hour and then not helping your baby at five o'clock in the morning when the birds are chirping on her windowsill and trying to wake her up. So those are some things to keep in mind if you are planning to use white noise. Next big important thing we want to talk about when we're just trying to start healthy sleep habits from scratch is not fearing an early bedtime. So that's a little bit difficult to talk about when we're talking about multiple ages. Of course, not all of you have a baby who's the exact same age as the next listener, but what it really means is don't be keeping your baby up until you know, 9.30, 10.30, 11 p.m. and expecting them to sleep well because your baby's body clock is kind of past the point of being ready to go to sleep at that point. And really think about age-appropriate awake times when it comes to your child's bedtime. We are going to talk lots about awake times throughout this podcast, but you really want to figure out what your baby's age-appropriate awake times are and stick with those throughout the day, including leading up to bedtime. That means your baby's not going to have a static bedtime every single night per the time on the clock. Your baby shouldn't necessarily go to bed at exactly the same time on the clock every night. They should go to bed after an age-appropriate amount of awake time has passed after their last nap. So what do I mean by that? If I have a five-month-old who does best with about two hours of awake time before they get overtired if today my five-month-old's nap ended at five I'm going to put him to bed at seven because that's two hours of awake time but tomorrow his last nap ends at 5 20. I'm going to put him to bed at 7 20. And the next day, naps are really off. We had some outings, naps ended really early. He was finished his last nap at 20 after four. I'm gonna put him to bed at 20 after six. I wouldn't do a bedtime of earlier than 6 p.m. And I wouldn't do 6 p.m. for a newborn. That's for slightly older infants. But I would do as early as 6 p.m. if my baby has had an off nap day but the really important part of this is the awake time leading up to bedtime and making sure that we're not getting our baby overtired by having them up for too long 20 minutes can make a really big difference for a five-month-old so if we are trying to hit the exact same bedtime every night we might end up with a child who is either really undertired or really overtired because their last nap didn't end at exactly the same time today as it did yesterday your baby's not a robot Things are going to look different from day to day, but what you can control is how much awake time you give your baby between those naps. Really focus on not having too late of a bedtime. What I want to talk about next is routines. Routines are so key. Babies and toddlers love routines. They love consistency. They love predictability. They do not like surprises in their scheduling. So a really good bedtime routine can help your child to understand sleep time is about to come up soon. I love to start a bedtime routine with a bath. You don't have to use soap and bubble bath every night. We don't want your child's skin drying out. But just the act of going into the water and splashing around for a few minutes is a really good way to cue to your child that the big long sleep in the crib is about to happen soon because we only go in this big crazy water thing once a day and it happens at the end of the day and the next thing that happens is the big long sleep in the crib. So that fun bath, that crazy water thing helps your child understand, cues to your child, that the big long sleep in the crib is about to happen pretty soon. So we're gonna do a bath, pajamas, a sleep sack. If you're using a sleep sack, we'll talk lots more about sleep sacks in future podcast episodes. After the sleep sack, we might do the feed. And after the feed, we might do maybe two little stories or a little song and then into the crib for the night. That's a great bedtime routine. The other really important thing that we wanna talk about is the hardest part of sleep with babies usually but the most important part so listen up it's putting your baby down awake not drowsy not asleep but putting your baby into the crib awake I'm a mom and I'm a sleep consultant who's worked with more than a thousand moms and I know that this can be the hardest part but in order for children to learn to put themselves back to sleep when they rustle and wake up during the night They first need to know how to go from awake to asleep with their own healthy sleep habits at bedtime. So putting your child down already very, very drowsy or already asleep at bedtime will generally cause him to wake up during the night unaware of his surroundings or how to get himself back to sleep. It's kind of like a grown up going to sleep in their bed and waking up on their front lawn. If your child's gone to sleep in your arms and then gone into their crib already asleep and then wakes up in the middle of the night, they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This isn't where I went to sleep. This isn't how I went to sleep. I don't know how to go back to sleep in this situation. I don't have those skills. I didn't do it at bedtime. I can't do it at one o'clock in the morning either. So by putting your baby down awake and allowing him the chance to fall asleep on his own, it allows him to begin to go back to sleep on his own when he wakes and ultimately to start sleeping those bigger, longer chunks of sleep during the night taking those nice long restful naps because he's also not waking up after just one sleep cycle not knowing how to get back to sleep we are going to talk loads in future episodes about putting your baby down awake about the importance of teaching those independent sleep habits do always remember that teaching your child independent sleep habits does not mean just leaving your baby alone for huge extended periods of time with no support sleep coaching doesn't need to mean that but we do want to get to the point where we can put baby down awake And he's very comfortable and confident and familiar with how to go into that crib awake and fall asleep using his own sleep skills, because that's how we're going to get some more amazing, healthy sleep started. So those are some of the things we're definitely going to be touching on as we move along together on the sleep journey and getting great sleep on track for your family. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one on one to get sleep on track.